Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. How many of you ever heard the term mic drop? Mic drop. It's basically when you get a statement, when you get your statement, should I say, and there's really nothing left to say, right? And so you motion like this, mic drop, don't worry, Mel, I'm not going to drop the mic, okay? It's too expensive. But, but that's basically what it is. You go, hey, I'm done, and, and, it's, and it's a mic drop. In some cases, the people have actually dropped, boom, and, and they've dropped the mic. And you go, you guys know what it means. You've used it. And, and, and basically, a mic drop is a way to punctuate, if you will, a bold statement like, the end. I'm done. There's no more left to say. That's the mic drop. It can be said out loud. It can be performed out loud. But it actually could just the, the whole mimic, just this. You know, that's. Mic drop. Mic drop. But where did the term come from? Well, the term came from stating some sort of um, basically revelation or controversial idea. But when said in real life, it's commonly accompanied by that reenactment. You're stating your case, you're saying what you're going to say, and you just go. And everybody knows that's the mic drop. The conversation is over. Well, in our text today... Jesus, our Jesus, is going to quote-unquote mic drop on three different groups of unsaved, political, religious men this morning. Let me say that again. They are unsaved. They don't believe in the Lord. They are political. I'm pushing their agenda. And they are religious. Look at verse 34 with me real quick. Notice what it says. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Do you see that? Underline the word silence. In other words, um, they they had basically silenced their enemies. Okay, this is a bona fide mic drop. Now, there's more to come on these verses, but I wanted to show you that. Okay, but here's what I want you to see. And you need to understand, Jesus very lovingly, and that's what's key, silences his enemies. You see, oftentimes we're like, yeah, get him, Jesus. Come on. But Jesus lovingly, because he loves all people. And even though they're religious, even though they're Pharisees, even though they're Sadducees, even though they're scribes, even though they're Herodians, even though that's where they're at, he loves them. That's a good place for an amen. Amen. Because he loved us. You guys went, amen. That's because he loves us, right? Were we not that? Were we not these very same people? And that's why Matthew records it, because he goes, guys, we can relate. You can remember a time when you were unsaved, even political, and even religious. Even religious. And so Jesus lovingly, In four separate occasions, these men come and they try to trap him. They try to stumble him. As a matter of fact, they try to embarrass him. In all four instances, Jesus silenced his enemies. He silenced his enemies. 
Now, remember, the term mic drop means that at the end of each exam, you go, exam? Exam? What are you talking about? When I say exam, you can jot this down. We're in the last four days in the life of Jesus. This is the last four days. In four days, my Savior is going to go to the cross. Okay? But you need to understand, during Passover, they would examine what they would call the Passover lamb, and they would examine it for four days. And they would make sure there wasn't a blemish, a cut, anything that would defile that. And so they'd keep looking for four days. Well, Jesus is our Passover lamb, and guess what the men are doing? They're examining him. They're looking. They don't know he's the Passover lamb. They're just trying to trap him. They're just trying to embarrass him. They're trying to stumble him. And so they come, and they go, oh, okay, okay, well, 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 let's do that. But think about what's going on, guys. Whenever there was Passover, about a million people would come into Jerusalem. About a 100,000 could be up at the Temple Mount at any moment. What better place, if you will, to discredit Jesus than in front of all these people that have come to Jerusalem? What better place? We're going to get him. We're going to get him, Right? And that's what they're, that's what they're thinking. We could, we could, yeah, this is it. Can you imagine that meeting? Can you imagine the meeting of the Pharisees or the Sadducees? And they gather together. All right, so what are we going to do? Well, Passover's coming. Okay, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, let's get our best. Let's put our best. Okay, first team. First team goes first. And if we can trap him, he'll be, oh, this is good. This is good. Well, here's the thing, church. Listen. If you're taking notes, the four groups that are going to discredit Jesus, let me give you the first one. You can jot this down. They're the Pharisees. They're the Pharisees. Jot that down. You go, well, who are the Pharisees really? Now, here's what I want you to write in your Bible somewhere. Okay, you ready? At this time. At this time. Right here in Scripture. You go, why would you say that? Why why would you say at this time? Here's why. Listen, listen, listen. Because once upon a time, being a Pharisee was a good thing. It was a good thing. I mean, this was a noble calling. You were in the world. You dedicated your life to God. The problem was, at this time, well, the Pharisees, well, they're unsaved. They're unsaved. In many occasions, the Pharisees had the opportunity to repent and come to Jesus. They're political, and they're religious. They're religious. Now, what happens in our heart, church? Let's be honest. We start to judge these men. Yeah, those Pharisees, I knew it. They're just the Pharisees. But do you remember a time when you were unsaved and religious? Do you remember that? You, would, you, you lived like there was no God, and you acted very religious. Come on, don't look at me like you do. Oh, that's not me. I was born in church. My mother had me right on the pew. Really? Really? Now, listen, granted, some of us grew up without God, okay? Some of us grew up and we knew nothing about God and uh, we were not religious. I've talked to those people, but really most of us can remember a time when we... We didn't know the Lord, but we acted very religious. 
We acted very religious. So we can't judge. We have to learn. We have to grow. So we come to a section in our study, and we're going to talk about this silencing these very people. These are the, these are the Pharisees. But before we do that, let me kind of remind you what we talked about last week, okay? Um, just remember, starting in chapter 21 through 25, we discovered that two kingdoms will clash. It's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of men. So we're in chapter 22. We've got a few more chapters where you're still going to see boom, boom. They're just, they're just clashing. Well, in this final week of the life of Jesus, we're definitely going to see a showdown between both kingdoms. Totally, um, today is not any different. But let me remind you, last week we left off with the parable. Do you guys remember the parable? Jesus told the people that it was a wedding invitation and that the only thing you had to do was RSVP, RSVP. And we learned so much last week. If you were not here and you didn't, you can listen to the podcast, but we learned so much last week that as a matter of fact, I was talking to my brother on the way home and he called me up and I said, how you doing, bro? How you doing? Hey, how's it going? Now, this is my older brother. Okay, so I have two older brothers. They're both twins, okay? So I grew up with twins. You go, could you tell them apart? I could, but for the most part, nobody else could. But I, I love my brothers, and I would wit- when I first got saved, I would witness to them. And you know how older brothers are, right? They just kind of put the squelch on you, you know? It's just like, you're saved now, you know, all this stuff. But, but I began witnessing to my brother. Long, long story short, I'm driving home from church. He calls me up. He says, hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. He says, oh, by the way, I really loved your sermon on the RSVP. I said, you did? He goes, yeah. He says, guess what? I, I RSVP'd. Yeah. And I was like, he goes, I got my place in heaven. Now, now here's what you need to know. I know my brother. He's got a lot of work to do with the Lord. He's not perfect. He's still a mess. He's going to hear this. He's going to hear this. But, but, but we're all a mess. But, but here's the point. Here, here's what I love. Here's what I love. Here's what I love about God is that I know brother, my brother has some work to do in his walk, but God still received his RSVP. How? How does God do that? Well, it's based upon the blood of Jesus, guys. He died so that we might live. And what the crazy cool part is that once you RSVP, you say yes to God, you're no longer invited to the wedding. You're the bride. It's the craziest thing. And so we wait for our, our, our Jesus to come back and get us. Or come back and get us. Do you guys remember when you first got married? Those of you that are married in here, do you remember when you first got married? You remember when you set the date, right? And the closer it got, all the little things that had to happen to prepare for that day. All the, oh, yeah, oh, got to order the flowers are ordered. And all, and, and we got the photographer and all that good stuff. Well, that's kind of what's happening in the world today. The Lord Jesus is going, hey, hey, are you guys ready? Because I gotta tell you, the father's house, it's ready. The house, the man, it's ready. I just need to come and get you. I just need to come and get you. And so again, we, we think about that. Now, here's the real question. You ready? Have you RSVP'd? Do you have a spot reserved in heaven for you? You see, at the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that invitation. All you have to do is RSVP.
VP. So with that as our intro, let's take a look at verses 15 to 22. This is the first, you ready? This is the first mic drop. This is it. Verse 15. Then the Pharisees, we know who they are, went out and plotted that they might entangle him in his talk. Okay, Pharisees, everybody say, at this time, they're fleshly, they're political, and they're religious. What's their goal? They're plotting how to trap Jesus into saying something in for which he could be arrested. Okay? Now, this is what blows my mind. I've got to be honest with you. For the last three years, Jesus has done nothing but heal people, love people, encourage people, show compassion on people, feed people. He's been just everything to everybody. Can I get an amen? amen. Why would you want to kill him? Why would you want to arrest him? You go, well, Ben, it must have been an evil world to want to do that. And I'm going, that's exactly the same world we live in today. Church, listen to me. You moving forward, you moving forward run the risk of the very same thing. Being arrested, being persecuted, it's the truth. It's the truth. You go, well, Ben, why would you say that? Sunday morning is supposed to be encouraging. It's supposed to be inspirational because I have to tell you the truth. I have to tell you the truth. As a matter of fact, this will blow your mind, and, and, it's, and, I, and I, it's, also, it's also thanks to you. But this morning, I've got, I got an encouraging email from a listener in South Carolina. And let me, let me, write to you, let me read to you what she writes, because I thought it was so encouraging. Um, she says this, I listen to you every day, and I'm so glad you speak the truth about the end times and to get ready for Jesus' return. I do go to church here in South Carolina, but I haven't heard them talk about what's going on around us. I consider you guys my church. Thank you. So we're speaking the truth in love, but we're speaking the truth. Think about this. They're trying to trap Jesus. And so what do they do? Look at verse 16. And they sent him, notice, they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians. Guys, go ahead and underline their disciples and Herodians. And here's what they say. Teacher, we know that you are true. You teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone. For you do not regard the person of men. Okay? Your attention, please. Your disciples, these are junior Pharisees. These are junior Pharisees, okay? These are, these are the B team, if you will, getting ready to get into the game. But they're going to send the B team. Go, go see, okay? Now, so you have the junior Pharisees. Remember, unsaved, political, religious. And then you have the Herodians. Who are the Herodians? Well, these are the political Jews who actually stood with Rome. And they were a party of peace at any price. They were the ones that were swinging their arms going, can't we just get along? Now you gotta remember, you gotta remember Rome was so oppressive. They had an army that would come in and wipe you. Here's the thing. Picture yourself in your, in your uh, neighborhood and the Roman army come in. 
and they would bust down the door. They would, they could and would rape your daughters, rape your wife, kill whoever was in, in there. That was their right. This was the Roman army. They could if they wanted to. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And now the Herodians are like, stand with Rome. Who, what would you think of these guys? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? But they're very political. They're very, and they want peace at any price. But I want you to see something very interesting. Verse 16. And they sent, well, verse, it says, teacher, we know that you are true and you teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person. That's the position. You don't, you don't play favorites. Here's what I want you to write in your Bible. It's very important. I want you to notice the flattery. The flattery right here. Okay? Flattery. They're saying things about the... They're flattering the Lord. It's just great flattery. You're, you're just... Lord, you're just great. Jesus, you're, you don't regard at all. You know, Lord, that, those clothes look really good on you. Wow, those sandals really match. You're amazing, Lord. You see the point, okay? But one of the things I want you to write in your Bible in flattery, because there's a great lesson we can learn here. Because I went and I looked up the word flattery, and it says this, excessive and insincere praise, given especially to further one's interest. That's flattery. Excessive and insincere praise. Now, labor, labor with me for just a moment, okay? Labor, because, because there's a couple of things I want to, to ponder here. Number one, flattery. A wise person learns to recognize it and separate flattery from sincere compliments. Okay? Flattery is often coupled with lying. As the flatterer is not concerned whether he or she is being truthful only to get their agenda passed. Flattery. You know that old saying, flattery will get you everywhere. Tell me what I want to hear and, and, right? But, but what we need to learn is as Christians, we've got to be careful because flattery can be used uh, under the guise of encouragement. Since biblical times, the false teachers have used flattery to lead the people astray and benefit themselves. So we have to be careful. Listen, listen. Paul reminds the church that the apostles never resorted to flattery in spreading the gospel. As a matter of fact, jot this down. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5. Never once did we try to win you with flattery. You, as you well know, and God is our witness that we're not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. Think about that, guys. Think about that. You go, well, what's the point? How can we apply this? Be careful with false teachers. Be careful because a lot of them will use flattery to, to pull you away. Wow, you guys are just so, you guys are the best looking group in all of Lubbock. Wow. And you're wonderful. Not a one of you is sin- not a one of you is a liar. Not a one of you is a sinner. Not a one of you, right? And they and it's usually co- and you're going. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
And we have to recognize that. Now, I do think that believers should offer sincere compliments and sincere encouragement. I think so. But if somebody wants the truth, what should we do? We should always speak the truth in love. Sometimes we speak the truth. It's not in love. It's harsh, and so we don't receive it. But if you speak, you really want the truth? I want the truth. Are you sure you want the truth? Yeah, let me tell you, brother, I love you, but this is... And you speak the truth, but... but but we offer sincere, we don't flatter people to get our agenda. Listen, church, let's be honest. We could have this building filled up three times over if we were simply just trying to draw a crowd. Amen? We could. I mean, we could offer just great, I mean, I mean, what, what, what could we offer to bring people here? Well, we could pay everybody five bucks to come to church. You go, I'm not coming to church for $5. Well, maybe more. We could offer food. We could offer this. We could do this. I mean, there's a lot of ways to draw a crowd. You understand that. But that's not our agenda. You go, well, what is our agenda? Our agenda is the same that our pastor told us. We want Calvary Chapel Church in Lubbock, Texas. We want them to be the best fed, most loved people in all of Lubbock. So if you're visiting and, and people are loving all over you and you, that, you don't like that, I'm sorry, that's what we do. That's what we do. You know, it's like, wow, everybody's hugging me. I don't know anybody. That's what we do. We just want you, we want you to feel loved. We want you to feel accepted. I'll never forget, we had a girl many years ago. She's still part of our church in a way. Um, she came in and here's her, here's her exact words. I thought you all were on drugs. There's no way you can all be that happy. And she walked in the front door and she says this. It was like, she just, that's the goal. That's the goal. That's our agenda. That's our agenda. Don't use flattery to get what you want. Offer sincere compliments and encourage each other. That's where we should be. But here's the, here's the thing. So they flatter the Lord, verse 17. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, here's what I want you to see. These people are trying to divide. Do you guys see that? These people are trying to divide. Why? Okay, listen. If the Lord says, yes, it's lawful to pay taxes, then they would automatically charge him with being disloyal to Judaism. Oh, see, there you go. If he said, no, 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 it's not lawful, then they would, they would what? They, he could denounce him to the Romans. Oh, he's a traitor! This is a trap, and the people are trying to divide him. Listen to me, church. That's the same thing that's going around today. People are trying. I can tell you right now, everything that happens, listen to you. The underlining issue is they're trying to divide us. I don't care if it's a mask or a vaccine or whatever it might be throughout the world. Here's the, the, here's the agenda. They want to divide us to where we don't love each other anymore because you offer a different opinion. Wow. Do you guys see it? Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. We're not, God, we're not, we, we need to be united. We need to be united in Christ. You know, gone are the days when you were able to, to 
reason to visit, to talk about issues without anybody getting hostile. Those days are gone. Okay? So, listen. Listen to me. You ready? It's better to win the person than win the argument. Okay? So, yes. It's better to win the person than... We could win the argument all day. We're going to... I'm going to fight and I'm going to tell you my stance and my 50,000 bullet points. But I I don't want to lose the person because... Because if Jesus loves you, he loves me. And if he loves me and he loves you, he loves them. Don't let them divide us. You see what they're doing? Don't let them divide us. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? You guys know what a hypocrite is, right? They're saying one thing and acting a whole nother. Putting on a mask. Putting on a mask. He says, Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius, and he said to them, whose image, whose image and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, here's the deal. Render, therefore, to Caesar's the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. You go, Ben, what did Jesus just tell him? Here's it. You got, jot this down. Essentially, he's saying there's man's government and God's government. Give to God what belongs to God, and give to man what belongs to man. You go, what does that mean? Pay your taxes. Paul tells us that. Pay your taxes. Obey the law. But give to God what belongs to God. And when they heard these things, they marveled, and they left him, and he walked away. You ready? Here's what Jesus did. He goes, mic drop. Mic drop. Right here. They were just like, you see, he didn't say yes or no. He said, listen, whatever belongs to God belongs to God. Whatever belongs to man belongs to man. Govern your life accordingly. Church, listen. Not only are we spiritual and we're under God's government, we're still under man's government. You understand that? That is why there was a huge division, I want to use that word, back in 2020, when we were supposed to obey the laws of the land. And the laws of the land said, you know, shut down your churches. And many said, okay, that's enough. We need to obey God. But there was, a, there was a division because then you had churches that were... You realize that there's churches that are still closed today? Amen. Give to God what belongs to God. What is God... What, 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 is, what belongs to God? He Give Him everything. Give Him our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. Little Pharisees... They walk away speechless, right? Shaking their head. They're Herodians. Now here comes the second group. Look at verse 22. The same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, underline that, came to him and asked him a question. Okay? Now, think about these. The Sadducees were unsaved, religious, liberal hypocrites who did not believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in heaven or hell. They didn't believe in angels or demons. There's a lot of things that the Sadducees didn't believe in, okay? But I love the way Matthew goes, hey, you know these guys who didn't believe in the resurrection? They came and asked Jesus a question. You go, oh, yeah? Well, what did did they ask him? Well, before I answer that question, think about this. There are still some today who are unsaved, act very religious, but they're liberal people who still, who only want things their way. Would you agree? 
There's a lot of, there's a lot of modern-day Sadducees. But what, what's the rap? Well, here it is. Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up an offspring for his brother. So that was really true. This was the law. Now, think about this. If you got married, okay, and, right, and if the brother died, by law, she had to marry your other brother and raise up so the name and the, and the tribe would continue. Okay? So, women, you would want to know a little bit about their brother at this time. Okay? You're like, uh, what's your brother like? Oh, no. <laughs> right? Because that was the law. That was the law. So this is true. So they come to the Lord and they're so like, Lord, this is what happens. This is what happens. I always used to tell Nathalie, well, if I die and, and, and I don't have an offspring, you're going to have to marry my older brother. And she's like, Mm-mm, that was back in Old Testament, New Testament. We're not doing this. She said, sorry about your bad luck kind of thing, you know. Okay, so what's the problem? Look at verse 25. Now, there was with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third, even to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died also. Notice what they say. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven shall she be? For they all had her. What? First and foremost, what's going on with this girl? She killing all the dudes. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, uh, right? If you're like the seventh, you're like, mm-mm. You need to marry your brother's wife, mm-mm. All my brothers are dead. I ain't doing it. Mm-mm. Peace out. That's really what she's saying, right? But I mean, but, but think about this, right? I mean, it's like, seriously, what a silly question. It's almost like the silly questions we get today. Does God have a belly button? Can God microwave a burrito so hot that he can't touch it? They're silly. You're like, what? What? But I was thinking about this, and this reminded me of a story about the seven brothers. And it was a young man who went up to the lady. He goes, hey, is this really your seventh marriage? Sure is. He goes, well, can I ask you a question? What happened to your first six husbands? Well, they died. Okay, well, how did your first husband die? Well, to be honest with you, he ate some poisonous mushrooms. Oh, what about your second husband? How did he die? He ate some poisonous mushrooms. How did your third husband die? Uh, He ate some poisonous mushrooms. And the fourth? And the fifth? Yeah. How did your sixth husband die? Oh, he died from from, um, blunt force trauma. Really? Yeah, he wouldn't eat the mushrooms. That's what they're asking him. Jesus says, look at verse 28. Jesus answered and said to them, you're mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. I love this because here's what he's saying. He says, guys, you don't even know your Bibles. (laughs) You don't even know your Bibles. And this is super important. Why? Because we must know our Bibles. 
Can, can, I, can I step on your toes for a minute? Mine too? Mine too? Let's put away our phones and let's know our Bibles. Let's, let, let's really work on that. You know, we're, we're so used to social media and scrolling. I, I'm the same way. I'm just as guilty. I'm not, I'm not but, but we need to know the word of God because Jesus is the word and we need to know him. We need to know him. Listen, we don't need to know who, who took a picture of their food this past week, but we need to know what Jesus says is about to happen. And it's a discipline. It's a discipline. Now, I'm not telling you get rid of your phone completely, what I'm saying. Now, listen, I know what you're thinking. All of you are thinking, well, I have my Bible on my phone. I'm, I'm reading my Bible on my phone. Mm-mm. You can't fool me. All of a sudden, you get a notification. Brink, oh. Oh, oh. Oh, well, oh. And then now you're scrolling. Get in the Word. Ah, guys. Get in the Word. And spend some time knowing the word. These guys, they should have known the word. They didn't know the word. No, notice what he says. For in the resurrection, they'll neither marry nor be given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. He says, but concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob? God is not God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at is teaching. Now, I've, I've, got some, I've got some really good news and I've got some bad news. Okay? Rosa, Jim, in the resurrection, you ain't going to be married anymore. Sorry. I know. I know. He's looking. He's, he's like, yes. No, I'm just kidding. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's not. But, but a lot of people go, oh, I, I just can't wait to, to go to heaven and, and be with my husband again. It, it's different in heaven, guys. We're brother and sister. It's amazing. There's just, it's just, it's pure. It's different. God gives us this marriage down here to enjoy. But once we get to heaven, he says, he says, there's, it's, it, there's, you're not married in heaven. You're not married. Well, I've been married 65 years. Well, great. Enjoy it. But in heaven, it's different. It's different. You go, what's the good news? We're all in heaven. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about that. When they heard this teaching, guys, guess what happens? Jesus takes, he goes, boom. Now, here's what I want you to see. Jot this down. I want you to notice that he doesn't debate with them. Well, who's going to meme it? He's like, well, you know, it's kind of complicated. I understand in your culture, we need to do this. And Jesus doesn't do that. What does he do, guys? He speaks with authority. He doesn't say, well, I know you don't believe in the resurrection. He goes, in the resurrection. He speaks with authority, the truth. This is the word of God. And the Sadducees, they were astonished, right? Because it's game over. Boom. Mic drop. Mic drop. Let's talk about the third group. Verse 20, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gather together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, now, underline the word lawyer, because this is the third group. So Jesus has already mic dropped on the Pharisees, the junior Pharisees, the Herodians, the Sadducees, but here come the scribes. 
Here come the scribes. Now, you can write next to that, the lawyer are scribes. And these guys belong to a highly honored profession. These guys were amazing. These were professional students and defender of the law. Now, not just like lawyers today, not, not the same. This was scriptural and traditional. They knew the law. And so all of a sudden, this is our third string. Come on, you can do it. I don't know what we're going to do. And so they come in and they say, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? What are they trying to do? They're trying to trap him. But I love his response. Look at verse 37. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Listen, your attention, please. They ask him one question Jesus offers two. They're just like, hey, which is the greatest commandment? Is it, is it uh, don't steal? Don't murder? Which one? Now remember, at this time, they had made, out of the Ten Commandments, 613. Which one is it? Jesus looks at him, and, and, and what I love is he quotes what? What is he quoting, church? He's quoting the word of God. This is the Shema in Deuteronomy 6.4. This is the Shema and the statement of faith that was recited daily by every Orthodox Jew. You see, the word Shema comes from the Hebrew word, which means to hear, to hear. The confession of faith begins with, hear, O Israel. The greatest commandment is to love God with all that we have and all that we are. Our heart, our mind, our strength, our possessions, our service. To love God is not to have good feelings about him, right? We're not having good vibrations like the, the Beach Boys used to sing. We're, it's all, we're all in. We're all in. This is what he's talking about. Why? Listen, you ready? True love involves the will as well as the heart. Come on, somebody. Come on, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because there's a, there's a trap that Christians fall into where they say, I love God, but their will does not follow. I love God, but I'm going to run over here and do what's opposite of the very love that I have for God. And true love, true love is when you go, this is my will as well as my heart. Why? Because where there is love, there will be service and obedience. This is what Jesus is saying. The greatest commandment for us is to love God with everything and obey him. And obey him. That's true love. Oh, but I love God. I've heard people say, I love God and sin. And I'm not talking, I I understand, church, we all stumble at times. We stumble. We sin. We miss the mark. We transgress. Oh, I didn't realize this was a sin. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. But most of us will cause, will, will, well, there'll be iniquity. 
And iniquity goes, I know the line, I know what God says, I love him, but I'm going to do it anyway. Why do we say that, church? You ready? I'm going to step on your toes because we love us more. And that's where Paul says, you have to crucify this flesh. You have to say, no, 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 I love God more. I'm not going to do this because I love God more. I'm not going to cross over that line because I love God more. And I know it hurts me, and I know I want to do it, and I know I get pleasure from doing this, but I've got to say, no, 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 no. I love God more. What's the greatest commandment, guys? Love God with everything. But he says, but also, too, let me offer a second one. He says, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This, is, this really is all the Ten Commandments wrapped up in two, is it not? Why? Because God wants us to treat each other the way we would want to be treated. We shall love them. We shall love them. I heard one pastor say, who's, your, who's, who's my neighbor? Is it the guy across the street? First and foremost, if you're married, it's your wife. It's your husband. That's what you need to do. You need to love them as you would love yourself. And then, and then we, here comes the debate. Well, I don't love myself. No, we do. We love ourselves, don't we? We love ourselves a lot. You know, how do I know? Just smash your pinky one time, see what happens. Ah, right? We, ah, you love, you, you just love, you, but, but, but God says, hey, listen, listen. Here's what I want you to do. Do me a favor. You, you want to know what the greatest commandment? You want to love God with everything. Your mind, your heart, your strength, your will, everything that's in you. Could you love him with your wallet, with your finances, with your service, with your talent? Could you love him? Could you love him? Well, Jesus now, Mike drops lovingly on the scribes because on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You should know this. You should, why are you trying to trap me? You know this. You studied the Shema. You know the Pentateuch. You know, you know all of this stuff. And of course, now we come to the fourth group. Notice, once again, here come the Pharisees, verse 41. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about Christ? Whose son is he? Now, the Pharisees answered and said, The son of David. And he said to them, Okay, well, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool. If David calls him Lord, how is he his son? Right? Can you hear the Jeopardy music this time? Dun, 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 right? Because they're trying, he's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, right? Because he's asking them, whose son is the Messiah? Whose son is the Meshach, the Messiah? He asked them, the trained experts in the law. So, of course, they come back with the, with the answer, right? He's the son of David. That's the Messiah. He's the son. Had they been asked, they could have said, okay, well, how do you know? Well, they could have referred to a man, guys, number of Old Testament scriptures. Well, here it says this, here it says this, here it says this. Once they said he is the son of David, notice what Jesus does. 
Jesus asks a second question. What does he do? His question comes from Psalm 101, verse 1, where the psalmist writes, the Lord, now again, you could write this, it's the Lord Jehovah said to my Lord in Hebrew, Adonai, Adonai. So Jehovah said to Adonai, sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool. Make thy enemies a footstool. Now, every orthodox Jewish scholar interpreted this to refer to the Messiah. Remember, the anointed one, the Christ, the Christos. And only, guys get this, only the Messiah could sit at the right hand of God. So he's talking about Jesus. So here's, here's the lemma, right? Here he goes. You can hear Jeopardy. Dun, dun, dun. Why? Because he says, if the Messiah is David's son, and everybody goes, yes, right? So let me say this. If the Messiah is David's son, and y'all say, Let's try it again. If the Messiah is David's son, Jesus said, then how could the Messiah also be David's Lord? Oh, oh, uh, huh. (laughs) You see, there's only one answer to that question. As God, the Messiah is David's Lord. As man... He's David's son. You go, wow. Think about that. You ready? As God, the Messiah is David's Lord. But as man, he's David's son. He is both the root and the offspring of David. Revelation twenty two sixteen. Psalm 110, verse 1, teaches the deity and the humanity of the Messiah. He is David's Lord, and he's also David's son. Isn't that true? It's like, wow. Because we come in and we think, oh, no, it's got to be this way. It's got to be, it's got to fit nice and pretty in this box. And the Lord's like, no, I don't work inside the box. Trust me. And he blows our mind. He blows our mind. And the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make the, the enemies your footstool, i.e., he says, till I put your enemies under your feet in subjection to you. Why would he say that? Well, in the, in the ancient Near East, warriors would stand on the necks of their defeated enemies as a sign of victory. You go, well, what's that? Well, here's what Jesus essentially said. Game over. Game over. Jesus goes, okay, this is it. Now, here's the great application for us. You go, why? There is a time that our Messiah is coming back and he will come back victoriously. He's going to come back a victorious warrior. You gotta grasp that. Why? Because we're living in an awful and ugly world. And we have enemies and we're going, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? I don't know what's gonna happen next week. I can't even go on vacation. I don't know what's gonna happen. Jesus is gonna come back and he's gonna, he's gonna put his foot on the neck of his enemies. You see, 2,000 years ago, he came as a little baby in a manger. And we all around December start singing Silent Night and great memories, but he's not coming back that way. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. 
We're going to be here all of a sudden. We're going to hear this trumpet, this trumpet sound. I don't know if it's going to be an audible one. I don't know if it's going to be in us. We're going to hear this trumpet. We're out of here. See, Jesus isn't, he's not going to touch his foot down. He's just going to come halfway through the clouds and go, hey, you guys ready? And he'll, and we'll hear this beautiful trumpet and we'll go. And I hope that we're all together so we can be high-fiving each other on the way up. This is great. Are you kidding me? I hope so. And then we're going to have this great marriage feast, this great buffet, this great spread of food. This is going to be great. It's going to be seven years up there, guys. Seven years, and, and all hell's going to break loose here on earth. But what's going to happen is eventually the Lord says, hey, you guys ready to go back? And we're like, no, we don't want to go back. But he says, get on your horses. And so we're going to get on his, our horses and we're going to come back. And Jesus is going to come back. He's going to touch the Mount of Olives. It's going to split in half and he's going to set up his kingdom here. Victoriously. And I don't care what government is on this earth. I don't care what man thinks he's in power, what person thinks he's, he's not, he's nothing. Jesus is going to put his foot and go, no, 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 no. this is my world. This is my world. Now, let me leave you with this for just a moment, okay? My brother also asked me, he goes, Ben, I've got a question. Um, the shootings in Uvalde, the, 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 all the little ones who died, what, what, what's up with that, right? And, and essentially, here's, what, here's the question he was asking, because many of us ask that. If God's God, and he's all good, and he's all powerful, why did that happen? What you need to know is that when Adam and Eve sinned, they forfeited the kings of the earth to Satan. Evil has been ruled ever since. Things like that happen. Ugly, awful, evil, wicked things. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. It makes me mad, but this is the world we live in. We as a church have the Holy Spirit living in us, and we are actually, believe it or not, because of the Holy Spirit and because the church is still here, we're holding back, we're restraining the real wicked and the real evil. We'll have incidents like this, and it breaks my heart. Little children, little innocent children. Well, Ben, what, what, how do you explain that? I can. I'm not God. I have to trust him. But I know one day the Lord is going to take the title deed back from Satan. And we're going to live victoriously. And there won't ever be a school shooting again. There won't ever be cancer again. Guys, there will never be lupus and bankruptcy and all of this stuff because the Lord will be ruling and reigning. And one day, think about this, the new Jerusalem is going to come down and we're going to live there forever. Forever. And what I love about this, I was thinking about this the other day, I was thinking forever, that's a long time. Because we're so used to time, concept, right? Well, I've got to do this between this time and this time and this time and this time and then, and then we're born and then we die. It's all time-related, but in eternity, I don't, we're not going to really know time. So we'll be like, how long have you been here? It doesn't matter. I have no idea. It's so glorious and so wonderful. So my question to you as we close, let me ask you this, and this is a very sincere question. Last week, we talked about RSVP, making your spot in heaven. Have you done that? You go, well, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm sort of trusting in my religion. Well, the Pharisees did that, but they were unsaved. 
You see, because God doesn't call us to walk religious. He calls us to a relationship. Think about this for a minute. Think about this. I'm going to give you two examples. Number one, Judas. You guys know Judas? He walked with Jesus. He walked with Jesus for three years, saw the miracles, was one of his BFFs, but wasn't saved. Didn't believe. You go, what does that mean? You could be at your church your whole life. You can come to church your whole life and still not believe. That has to be an inner part where you go, yes, I believe. I open up my heart. I invite you inside. Think about the Pharisees. The Pharisees knew the word of God. Listen, if you were going to play Bible trivia with the Pharisees, I guarantee you, you were going to be third string, never see the field kind of, kind of thing. They, they knew the word of God. You understand that, right? If you were going to go on family feud, and they had the Pharisees on one side and us on the other, we would never get any question right. That's how much they knew the word of God. You guys with me? But they didn't know Jesus. So I'm asking you today, do you know my Jesus? Do you know my Jesus? Do you love him with everything that's in you, both your will and your obedience? I want to give you an opportunity. We're going to pray in just a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to him. It's between you and him. You will Ben, what do I have to do? In a moment, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Well, why do I have to raise my hand? Because God needs to see your heart. This is not about joining a church. And I'll tell you why. Because we don't even have a membership here. We just want you saved. We just want you to RSVP. Now, most of you I know, that's cool. Amen. But I never want to leave a Bible study without giving an invitation. You have to RSVP. So what do I do now? Ask yourself, am I saved? Have I really RSVP'd? And if you haven't, that's okay. You go, but I want to today. Because you're still alive and you have this opportunity, God's already knocking on your heart. He brought you here for a reason. You're not a mistake. He's got a great plan for you. Would you agree? Father, we thank you for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you, Lord, that um, you just showed us that the enemies will come and try to trap and divide and discredit, and you're, you're just gracious. But Lord, the most important thing is that everyone in this room has RSVP'd to you. And so, Lord, we're, we're waiting on your precious spirit. This is, Lord, the most important time. And I know, I don't know who's watching online. I don't know who's listening via podcast. Maybe it'll go on the radio someday. But with every eye closed and every head bowed and us asking the most important question, Lord, am I saved? Have I RSVP'd to heaven? Have I, do I believe in you? Have I confessed my sin to you? Have I asked you to come into my life? Have I truly been born again? Those are the questions we need to ask. And if you, if you answer no, then today's your day. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, today is your day, man. He's knocking on your heart. He says, hey, I want to come inside. I want to eat. I want to dine with you. I want to, I want to walk with you. I want a relationship with you. I love you very, very much but you have to give your life to me.
you have to say yes to me. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that said, Pastor, you're talking to me. Would you pray for me? I want to I give my life to Jesus today. Would you just lift up your hand right now? Just between you and the Lord. Would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, sir. Anyone else saying, yes, God bless you, ma'am. I see you over here. Good move, good move. Anyone else? Anyone else between you? This is your day between you and the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, if you're watching online, just lift up your hand. I can't see you, but God sees you. If you lifted up your hand, would you just pray this prayer? Would you just say, Lord, today, I want to RSVP. I'm a sinner. I can't make it to heaven on my own. I don't have your spirit in me. But I want to confess my sins to you right now and ask, would you please forgive me? I can't do life like this. I need you. Lord, if I'm being very honest, I want to go to heaven. I want to be with you. I want to see my loved ones, and I I want to grow in you. I believe you were both God and man, and you died for my sins. Would you please come into my heart? Come into my heart, Lord. Take over. Take over. Here's my heart. It's yours. Here's my life. Lord Jesus, truly I believe you died on the cross for me, and you resurrected on the third day. And I believe you're coming back for me soon. Sooner than later. So I'm asking you, Lord, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior. Be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Yes, yes. Listen. If you prayed that prayer and you don't have a Bible, we have a Bible for you. We have a, a Bible study guide to help you on your way. I want to pray for you. I want to love you. Please don't leave here. Say, hey, I, I gave my life to the Lord today. I gave my life to the Lord today. I belong to Jesus. If you did that, welcome to the family of God. Let's worship. And uh, one last song. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.